Oh, snap, snap, snap. The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Well, hello, Raw Feeders. I'm Dee Dee Mercer Moffat, the CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business and we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. Well, it's Friday, and that means Dr. Judy Jasek is here. Good morning, Dr. Jasek. Good morning. You know, I'm trying to stay positive in this crazy world we live in. I know. Sometimes, you know, I, you know, I have been thinking about that lately. Like when I start to feel really down, I stop and, you know, we all have something that we can be grateful for. Sometimes it's easy to focus on the bad stuff that's going on. But when I start feeling down, I just stop and say, okay, what do I have to be grateful for? Like right now in this moment. And, you know, there's always something and it doesn't change what's going on in the world, but, you know, it does help change your attitude. And that's really all we have control over anyway, right? Right. Our own own little perspectives in the world. Right. But what I do think is great um, on our side meaning the truth tellers, meaning the people who do not believe in censorship and people that do want informed consent, is that there is a lot more information coming out about how that has been suppressed and the the dirty deeds that are getting revealed. I was listening to a uh, epic or epoch, however you want to pronounce it, Times interview with uh, Jan Jelinek. um, And he was Dr. Malorta, I believe was his name, Mahalorta. Anyway, he, cardiologist, and um, he was definitely out there promoting the vax, promote the vax, even did a um, an advertisement about vaccine hesitancy, right? Telling everyone uh, to get vaxxed. And he took that stance as a cardiologist until his father died. Mm. had a heart attack and the thing about it is is that he said my father was 73 extremely healthy um and so he started looking at the vax now the the problem and, and he said a lot of great things in his talk but the one issue that i took issue with was him saying we all need to come together sort of like this kumbaya we need to give amnesty because after all he said his words he was only giving out the information that he was given and i i take real issue with that dr jc because mm-hmm. you and i aren't cardiologists we are in the health field of helping dogs and we relate that to the humans and we understand that if there's not really any information you probably don't want to be putting it in the body Right. Right. It's not proven. So I have a real problem with doctors saying, well, we were only doing what we thought was right. Yeah. They were doing what they were told. They weren't doing what they thought was. They didn't even take time to think about what was right. They were doing what they were told. And they were also told that if they didn't do what they were told, they would put their licenses in jeopardy. So people, I I really think I'm, I'm with you. I give doctors, uh, no, no excuse. No, no amnesty. Because my, my whole premise for how I practice is based on my observations. You know, nobody came to me and started just teaching me about this stuff. I started seeing, I think something's wrong here. Like what we're doing is harming pets. I see pets get sick. 
after vaccines or as CPETs get sick on, on poor diets. And it was a wake up call for me to say, I think we need to be doing something different. And don't tell me that any medical professional has not seen the harm that's been done to people in the last couple of years. They cannot be practicing and not have seen it. They've seen it and they ignored it because they were either, either there was monetary reasons or, well, I guess job related is monetary. They don't want to lose their license, lose their jobs. What are they going to do? How are they going to make a living? They got this, you know, doctor salary standard of living that they don't want to let go of. I mean, because if they were to really wake up and have a conscience, I I don't know how they could have kept recommending what what they've been recommending and not recommending other things that have been proven to be uh, effective. The, The information has been out there. He he was he was talking about being a cardiologist and he's doing a lot of writing now about how statins you know, for yeah. high blood pressure were so dangerous to people. And yet they were recommending those and, and forever. Right. And then he was talking about cholesterol and he was saying, what a scam the cholesterol, the whole cholesterol thing was that heart disease and this, this narrowing of the arteries is really due to what sugar, starch, processed yep. foods. Right. Um, one thing he said, um, and, and there was a lot that I really liked that he said, but again, I, I just, we, what is a life worth? What is health worth? Now, some people will say, well, you say uh, that pet parents shouldn't blame themselves if they have fed kibble in the past. That's different because if they haven't known, literally have not known, right? they've never heard of raw, they do not understand how all the starch and the carbohydrates, the synthetics, the dry diet, how that affects a carnivore. And, and kibble and kibble's recommended by veterinarians. So really, you know, if they didn't have any information about any other way to feed and they go into their vet who they trust as a medical professional and tells them that these kibble prescription diets or even the non-prescription ones, these are the very best things to feed your pet, then they, if they don't have the alternative information, they truly believe they are doing the best for their pet because they don't know anything different. But once they know different, then I think they're obligated in the interest of their pet's health to do differently. Correct. Which brings me back to why we are always going to be on the side of non-censored free speech. Mm -hmm. Because we know how detrimental to a pet's health that is. When when the narratives are skewed, when the information is withheld, this is dangerous. We know that pet parents are not trying to kill their pets. Unless, Dr. Jasek, they are listening to the World Economic Forum, which is pushing, yeah. as is CNN, to reduce the carbon footprint of your pet and you just euthanize them, Dr. J. Just get rid of those meat eaters. Mm. Yeah, that is so bad. So, so, so bad. Well, what what Neely has brought up many times and what I think people really should do is really understand carbon footprints, really understand carbons, really understand um, how much carbon's in the world and how advantageous it is. All we hear is is about the negativity. And um, so it's just, 
it's just silliness. Yeah, and I and I might add that the people making these rules, the people that are in the World Economic uh, Forum, are flying around the world in their private jets. They're not they're not worried about their carbon footprint. They're just worried about our carbon footprint. And I bet if you asked anybody what that means, nobody would know. Correct. Like, it's just a word. It's just these words come out to same with climate change, like. Okay, I can see. Yeah, we've got some different weather. Yeah, the climate's changing, but then they make it a thing with a certain like definition and nobody really even knows what it is. You Maybe know? it's so, just Mother Earth changing. Well, yeah, things change. We've had ice ages. Ice ages have come and gone. You know, there's things, natural phenomenon that can happen, solar flares and different things like that that can affect our climate. And it's not that, I mean, I do think that human influence is affecting our climate, but to pin it on just one thing, you know, they're, they're naming something and then they're picking something to blame for it. And nobody's asking, does this make any sense? Well, you and I ask, does this make any sense? And the answer is no, but most people are just like, okay, you know, I feel like I'm living in the middle of a sci-fi novel. Like, yeah. am I going to like, was I just dozing in my chair in front of the TV for the last two. And I'm going to wake up and say, oh, whew, boy, I'm glad that was a movie. And you're like, slap me. Somebody slap me right <laughs> now. It's not a movie. <laughs> right? You, talking about uh, battling the profession, it's it's really not getting any easier, Dr. Jasek. I don't see it ever getting easier um, in battling the health profession. They are dug in like a couple of ticks. And I will say that the doctors that have been waking up, okay, now whether Dr., and I don't know that I'm saying his name right, Malorta, is w that, well, I think he only woke up because his father died, mm -hmm. okay? He is saying um, that the government must step in and stop allowing the 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 wolf to, to guard the hen house i mean he he is saying this is what has happened when you've got the big ag you've got big farm you've got um they are the one that is is controlling everything because they have a financial interest in it and he called them psycho what did he call them uh psychopathic uh corporations where they have no conscience mm -hmm. they have no morals and they just have one directive, and it's not in our best interest. So how in the world does the veterinary profession stand a chance to really be on the side of health? How is that going to be possible? Well, I think, I was saying before, I, I don't think we will, uh, will ever correct the current system. Like you said, it's it's too ingrained in our culture, um, the brainwashing of both medical professionals and clients is profound because so many people still watch mainstream information and they've been getting these subliminal messages for a very long time. You know, this whole control by big pharma, this is nothing new. This has been going on for decades decades and decades since the like i don't know early 1900s that's when this all really started this the whole covid business is really the culmination they've been working on this for that long and and 
and I mean, figuring out how to train people, how to get people to follow the rules. They haven't really been able to get it down to this, to this extent until this point. And why? It's all about fear. They keep people afraid, keep people feeling guilty. And I was talking to a friend of mine this morning who's, uh, she's got two daughters that um, they've tried to get to not continue taking um, COVID boosters, but you know, their daughters are young and they're adults, they're young adults. And so all they can do is give them, you know, the, the parents point of view, which they are not in favor of, of the shots. But one of the reasons she said, she says her girls weren't worried about getting COVID. They were worried about getting someone else sick. So the fear, you know, some people were afraid for themselves or afraid they're going to spread it to, to somebody else. So fear and guilt are such powerful emotions that that's, that's how people can be you know, so, so easily controlled, especially if they're only getting one line of programming and I don't even consider it information. It's, it's, it's programming. If you're not seeking out other information, um, you know, I guess I can see where people could fall into that. I I've just been outside mainstream for so long that, uh, you know, it's, it's baffling to me, like just when the COVID vaccine very, very first came out and, and I felt this way, I remember practicing veterinary medicine for 35 years. I would never give my patient a brand new drug medication vaccine of any kind, because I know they're not thoroughly tested. They'll test them on a handful of animals and then they'll, they'll push them out or, you know, the, you, you know, you'll see the trends, like there'll be a thing on the news about say Lyme disease. And all of a sudden, magically they have a vaccine for it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Coincidence? No, I don't think so. You think they're testing these? Do you think they even care if they're effective? They don't care if they're making pets sick. Matter of fact, they want pets to be sick. Um, I don't know if you follow Ed Dowd, but yeah. you know, he reports on a lot of, a lot of statistics and, said somebody, I can't remember which company, somebody from one of the big corporations or something actually came out and said, our goal is not health because health does not make us money. We make money by getting people in, sucked into our system independent on our drugs. Basically, I'm paraphrasing, but that was base. That's the company philosophy. That's their goal. Big Farm isn't interested in anybody being healthy. And this extends to our pets too. It's all the same industry. We're branches of the same industry and they're interested in control and in in making money. They're not interested in in health. And I like I said, I've never, ever, ever would I have given to any patient something brand new on the market. I'm like, oh no, I'm gonna wait. So many products within a year or two, they're pulled off the market because because they're dangerous, because they're they're harming pets. Um, you know, this, um, they have, it's back out now. They have a year long heartworm prevention shot, supposedly. Mm. And years ago, I don't know how many, maybe 15 years ago, there was one that came out that was a six month shot and it got pulled off within like a year or so. And now we got a year long one. And I tell people, don't put anything in your pet's body supposed to last a year. You can't take that out. If that makes your pet sick, you're, you're done. Like you're done. If you're going to give a preventative like that, at least do something that supposedly wears off in a month. So then you can help, you know, help your pet heal. 
Um, but yeah, and then so then this COVID jab came out. I'm like, okay, I don't need to know anything more about it except that it's experimental and it's never been used in the human population before. Why would I put that in my body? Like it doesn't even make any sense that that people would do that, but people can be convinced based on, well, I'm gonna get to go, you know to you know travel again or go to a concert or go to a restaurant like is that stuff really worth your life i mean i looked at it like that like it's not worth worth risking my life to be able to get on an airplane or go out to eat or go to a concert i i can give all that stuff up to save my life but um unfortunately most people didn't see it that way no and i i am talking to people right now that are ill that are oh. having problems that um honestly i'm shocked that they have not heard about the dangers but again if you're only listening to you know a certain narrative you're not going to hear it and it just pains me right and one thing about this what this dr malorta said he said when he was talking about that we've all got to come together um, and, or we're never going to make it out of this because he said, once people start making the connection that their illnesses are from these shots, they are going to be angry mm -hmm. and they are going to want to lash out and they are going to want, you know, justice and and I feel the same way about the pets, Dr. Jasek, that I see coming through here day in and day out, where a pet has, well, let me just present a, a situation to you. And I talked about this on the podcast with Neely too, but I want to ask you about this. A puppy um, has ticks. They take the mm -hmm. ticks off. They go in, they get a snap test. They say that the dog has um tested positive for Lyme. So they start on doxycycline. Yeah. Now, is that really necessary? I mean, Lyme is one of those diseases that I, I think there's, a, there's like, I don't know, more to the story. I mean, I think there, there, you know, there could be this microorganism that causes, you know, that, that a tick might be transmitting something, but it's so long standing it's almost like it's more uh, it acts more of more like a autoimmune condition because the antibi the antibiotics supposedly kill the organism but you know i always have issue when medicine recommends like months of antibiotics which is sometimes recommended i've heard up to 3 months of doxy once you have a lyme or any tick-borne disease um, or they'll do a month and retest or something, but it's long-term antibiotics. Well, if all we're doing is killing a microorganism, those antibiotics should work like fast within a couple of weeks. And so what's going on that we have to go for months and months and months and months? like there's, you know, there's more to the picture here and whether that's toxicity or some sort of immune reaction, um, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not sure anybody knows exactly what's going on with, with Lyme disease or I don't know. I, I the stuff I'm listening to now, like from Dr. Cowan and uh, I'm rethinking all of infectious disease. And it's kind right? of mind blowing because it's changed. It's really rocked my world because 
we're trained that everything is caused by an infectious organism. And if you entertain the thought that that's not true, whoa, that changes all everything. of medicine. But mm-hmm. back to the the Lyme, um, you know, and I had a had a case like this where the dog came back positive um, on a blood test and was asymptomatic. And I said, I, I would not wouldn't do the antibiotics. It will do herbs. I mean, there's herbs, there's things that are, um, can help remove microorganisms, you know, remove toxins. I'm coming to believe now that more and more that symptoms, quote unquote, symptoms we see are more related to toxic exposure than, than microorganisms. Right. Um, but if we do things, it, regardless of what's going on, if we focus on supporting the animal's body, so we support um, the a healthy immune system, balance out the immune system, give some herbs to help the body detoxify, get the body healthy, obviously nutrition, get them on a really optimal diet so that their body can manage what's going on I think we stand a much better chance and a much better chance of um, a more complete resolution. Because what I've seen, and I've seen dogs that have been diagnosed with Lyme and they're on and off doxycycline for the rest of their life because their symptoms keep coming back. So why is that? If the doxycycline, again, if if the whole purpose of giving the doxy is to kill this microorganism that's causing the Lyme, why isn't it doing it? You know, if, if, because if, if, if it works, why needs, doesn't work? Right. If a pet <laughs> needs antibiotics. So say, you know, it's, it's, say a dog bite, you know, those get, can get really infected. I mean, really infected because it in, injects a lot of bacteria underneath the skin. And they, you know, pets will get these big, nasty abscesses, run high fevers. And, and I would have put a pet like that on antibiotics. But, you know, it takes about 72 hours. And that's it. And then it's enough to knock down the bacterial populations, their bodies get on top of it. And then you do, you know, local management flushing and everything. And it's a done deal. Um, Or, you know, you, you, you're, or you have to um, look for an underlying cause of like, where's an infection coming from? You know, I had a case document had a big abscess. It, It like right on his hind leg, kind of in the flank area. It was kind of odd. And, um, I drained it and flushed it and it was a you know holistic client. And I said, you know, I, I don't think I do antibiotics. Let's just manage it locally. Well, the dog ended up, it just wasn't resolving. It took the dog in the ER. And I think they highly criticized me for not starting the dog on antibiotics. They did start the dog on the antibiotics and the dog still didn't get better. And then she emails me, the client emails me and she says, guess what? a foxtail just popped out of that open wound that wouldn't heal. Like, wow, there you go. It wasn't that the dog was antibiotic deficient. It was that it had a foreign body and it just, you couldn't see it. I mean, this was a big abscess, you know, but that's how the body manages that. All that pus, all that stuff that's coming out is trying to get rid of that foreign body. So you got to keep it open and draining. And then once that popped out, done deal. Dog didn't need antibiotics we just needed to find the foreign body, which, you know, which we couldn't do. So things like, like Lyme that tend to be, you know, uh, really chronic. Um, I would really be all about, you know, supporting the natural immune system, supporting, you know, the, the dog's body. And, and then, you know, if things don't go well, I don't know. I still don't think that antibiotics really treat anything in the case of these, these tick-borne diseases. I think it's more about 
supporting their immune system and, and helping them, helping the dogs to, to manage whatever's going on in their body. Well, and a point that, that Neely made was this, what is a tick-borne disease? I mean, if it's a toxin, then why are we giving it an antibiotic if antibiotics kill yeah. bacterial stuff? So it's right. like, does that make any sense? Right. And, um, but I do love Dr. Thomas Cowan and I, I and I, too. and I hope that our listeners will tune into him. He has lives that you can get on. He will rock your brain and um, he really will. The, the, I've bought gifts for Christmas for my entire family from Dr. Thomas Cowan this year. And um, you know, given the gift of health, one of them is the, um, the, the water wand. Mm, mm -hmm. the water wand to structure the water mm -hmm. yesterday he was doing and he, and he always talks about water because it is so incredibly important mm -hmm. right and he's saying look if your water in 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 your dog's body or your body is toxic you, you gotta you gotta detoxify it and nourish right. it right well we're and, like 70 percent water right right the water's not healthy you're not healthy it's one of two things that maybe two people get sick at the same time. Either you're exposed to the same things that are poisoning your body, whether that is the water there, you're eating a bunch of junk food there, you're under a lot of stress, there's a lot of um, electromagnetic frequencies there, and you're polluting the body. So the body only can do what it can do. And we call that getting sick which I've changed my verbiage, Dr. Jasek, to you are just detoxifying yep. be because he is saying, look, the only way that you're going to get these things out of the body is you have to make them liquefied. So maybe they've gelled up, right? They've gelled up in the body. Then you get a fever um, and you uh, cause those things to become liquefied. And then what do you got to do? You got to get the chills. You've got to mm -hmm. sneeze. You got to cough, diarrhea, um, vomit to get it out. Same thing with the dogs. This is why Neely is always saying, if it's coming out, let it out. Stop trying to stuff it back up in there. Right. <laughs> the sphincter has got to do what the sphincter does. So, right. you know, so Dr. Thomas Cowan is always talking about that. He's like, it's, it, it, he said, and to your credit, you talk about coffee enemas and stuff like that. He's like, this is why coffee enemas are great. This is why saunas are great. Yeah. This is why hypothermia type situations are great because they cause these stopped up, gelled up, stuffed up systems to liquefy and then we can get them out. Right. Right. And what does conventional wisdom say? Well, the symptoms are bad. So we have to stop the symptoms. Well, all it's doing, even a fever, you know, if you have a fever, you're, it's because, you know, your body, like you were saying, it warms up and it really makes a lot of sense. It warms up the, the material in the body. Now he also gets into, he doesn't think cells exist, that there's right. no cell walls. It's just sort of this morph of jello. He's really good at analogies too. Yeah. So it's like this morph of jello. And when he said this, it, it made a lot of sense. And he says, what we think our cells are just what's appearing under the microscope when we take a tissue sample. Well, what have you done to that tissue sample? You put it in things like formaldehyde to preserve it. And then you put these toxic stains on it to make it blue and red. And I mean, I've done this, you know, hundreds of times. This is how you look at a tissue sample. Well, what have you done? You've just poisoned those cells. So 
is that what they look like in the body? Probably not. You know, like, why would it be? Because you've just poisoned them. That's what a poison cell looks like, not what a healthy cell. And like, so all the hours I spent in school looking in microscopes at cells of all the different organs, like, that's not what the organs really look like. And then how would you know how to treat them if you've poisoned them and you're looking at them in a compromised state? Now you think the dog is compromised, so you give them something. This is I mean, how cancer is diagnosed too, by the way. So if they're, if you're doing these toxic preparations, when you get a, you know, there's a biopsy or a needle aspirate, and then you're looking at what you're seeing and you're calling it cancer. Well, you've just poisoned the cells. How do you know that's even accurate? You know, I mean, it's really made me take a hard look at how conventional diagnoses are made. And I think a lot of it is we've been really taught incorrectly, really bad. I wonder how, how that would shift the Dr. Tracy. I mean, is it more like the way that we do it today where we're looking at the pet, we're coming in from a um, holistic perspective of nourishing the body, looking at the water, restructuring the water um, because we are so much water and so are dogs, which is why we do not recommend any kibble um, as one. But um, I wonder how you would begin to look inside the body or can you, is it possible? You really, you know, you, I mean, on a, on a cellular level or what's looking in, like I, I just, I listened to uh, Dr. Cowan spoke at the Western um, Price um, Convention, mm-hmm. and and um, his he published his lecture on his website on his BitChute, and um, he he got he got into this. I thought those were particularly good presentations because he was a little more like you know organized and kind of. I thought he explained things really, really well. But he said the only way to really look at living tissue is you could, you'd have to put like a camera right in the middle of the liver and see what it looks like. But then even in doing that, you've disrupted the normal architecture of the cells. So there really is no way. I think you have to look at, you know, what's going on externally. Like I get, you know, every patient I talk to, you know, I have a new cancer patient yeah, all the, all the lab work, all the records, all the stuff that they've been through and had done. And the first thing I ask them is, how's your pet doing? How's it feeling? Is it eating? Is it pooping? Because those are really important things. You know, if I start to work with a pet and they're like, yeah, we have to really struggle to get him to eat. Like, that's not good. If they're eating, pooping, good energy, I'm like, okay, we've got a lot of vitality here. We've got a lot to, to work with. And that I think that's important because first and foremost, I'm looking at the pet's quality of life. Like, are they living a happy life? Are they happy? So if we can, and then at that point, if the pet's happy, it's eating, it's going for walks, just happens to have this cancer diagnosis. And, I'm, and I, I'll say to people, so what if we just arrest this thing they're calling cancer on your pet, whether it's a visible tumor or something internally or whatever it is, wherever that diagnosis came from, if we arrest it right now and we stop it from progressing in your pet's body, would your pet be living a good quality of life? If the answer is yes, then like, okay, we we got, you know, something to, to work with here. I mean, that's how I look at cancer. Now, like, oh, yeah, we got to attack this cancer, make it go away. I look at how the pet's doing. Now, if the pet 
is not wanting to go for walks. They're struggling to get it to eat. You know, sometimes we're too far down the road. But I think honestly, probably 90, I used to say 80. Now I say 90. It might even be 95% of what I treat is poor nutrition and vaccine injury. If we corrected those two things from the get-go, I bet our pets would be healthy. And the other might be 90% because we have a lot of environmental toxins that pets have to deal with. But if their bodies are healthy in other ways, they can handle those environmental toxins um, much, much better. So yeah, I think for true health, I think we have to really change the way we look at symptoms and disease that like disease or dis-ease is an imbalance in the body. And if we look at it, okay, the body, this showed up because there's something out of balance in the body. What is that thing? And we focus on correcting that, then we're going to help the body get on top of what's going on. If we're just looking at a tumor and saying, we got to make that thing go away. And then we put the pet through stressful procedures and all kinds of drugs And if the whole thing was that the pet was toxic in the first place, and now we're just going to keep poisoning it over and over and over and over again, pet doesn't have a chance. That's why pets don't survive more than a year if they're they're started on chemotherapy most of the time. It's very rare to get any kind of long-term resolution because you have an already toxic body. The body's telling you things are out of balance and I'm being poisoned here. And so let's just add more poisons. Doesn't make any sense at all, but that's the standard of care. It's, it's so messed up. It is so messed up. That's why we harp on this over and over again. What toxins are involved? So when I get a call and somebody says, my dog is, is refusing real food, right? Refusing raw food. Then I have to say, what toxins are going into the body? Okay. Mm-hmm. And I get this answer. Well, yeah, they're on a monthly dose of trifexis, but that's never bothered them before. Right. Okay. The thing about it is I, I just cannot, um, I, I just cannot get through a lot of pet parents' heads is their fear of raw food is so great that they do not see that this is the last thing that they need to worry about. They need to look around. What other toxins are going into my dog's body? What other toxic load is my dog trying to get rid of? So let's say that they do start on the raw diet, right? And I get Mm -hmm. these calls. Well, my dog's vomiting. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Let them vomit. Um, if they're still eating, let them vomit. Let's let the stuff come out of the right. body. But we just are not trained that way, Dr. Jasek. It's, I mean, if you think about it, um, and I don't know if I've heard Dr. Thomas Cowan say this or not, but I've heard many people say it, um, like Tylenol. They're mm. like, that is so dangerous to your body. And yet when we have fever, We Mm -hmm. run to these products that are not good for us instead of just understanding this is it. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. You're darn right. It's uncomfortable when you have a fever. Absolutely. And, um, you know, you got the chills, you're achy and all that kind of stuff. But if you, if you, in your mind, if you knew 
I, my body is trying to get rid of something. I think you would be able to stand it better. Right. Well, and, and what your body is telling you too, and the same with pets, you know, if you're running that fever and you feel like crap, you know, you need to go to bed for a couple of days and rest because your body is trying to deal with something and our human nature. And I've done this too. I mean, I don't take things to lower, if I have a fever, I do stay in bed because I don't believe in lowering them, but our culture is such that you take some, something to lower the fever and you take something to make your symptoms feel better. And you go on with your life and you keep going. If you're, if you're that sick and you have a high fever, your body's telling you, Hey, we got something to deal with there. You need to just go lay down, take a break, you know, give your body some rest, you know, eat chicken soup for a couple of days and just let your body deal with things. And it will, you suppress those symptoms and just go on. It's just going to get worse. And it's the same in pets. And I'll tell you the, the most blatant example of this is itchy skin, because I'm convinced that a lot of itchy skin is also a detox reaction. Cause why do we see, I see so many dogs less than a year of age itching like mad skin disease. I, I mean, to me, cancer is much more straightforward to treat <laughs> skin disease. Skin disease is so convoluted because there's so many factors that, that enter into it. But I'm convinced like a young dog itching like mad, it's because of all those young vaccines and, and or the vaccines they had when they were young because they get walloped with them. And if, especially then if they're not, haven't been on a good diet and they're on all the other preventatives, well, and different pets will detox in different ways. But I think the reason we see so much itchy skin, the skin's a very large organ. It's a large surface area. So if an animal can detox through the skin, they can push a lot of stuff out that way. But how does that manifest? Sores, pustules, itchy skin. It's irritating. The body's trying to get rid of these uh, toxins. And it's very easy to suppress those symptoms with drugs like Epiquil or Cytopoint or, you know, prednisone. Um, if, and if you just suppress those symptoms and you're not helping the body to detox, then what happens? You just keep driving those toxins further and further into the body. And I've seen this so many times, these cases, these are a lot of my cancer patients started itching at early age, put on Apoquil, put on some immunosuppressive drug, nothing to help support the body. And then, you know, three, four five years of age, then we have cancer. Why? Because the toxins have stayed in the body and the body, you know, can't, can't get rid of them. So it tries to put them into this tumor, you know, that shows up as abnormal cells. Well, what are those? What's a tumor? It's toxic cells, right? It really makes a lot of sense when you like, it's hard to change a, a way of thinking that you've been thinking for decades. But the more I've kind of come around to this, that toxins, possibly parasites too, you know, I've been learning a lot more about the potential of parasites as a cause for some of these reactions in the body too. But I think that's still like a toxicity reaction. It's your body trying to uh, get rid of something. You know, it it really makes a lot more sense. And it and it shows that, or, or it explains why like antibiotics don't work long-term. Again, skin disease. See, some people, I put my dog on cephalexin or some antibiotic, it does great. All clears up. And then a month later, it's back. Why? Because you're not treating anything. 
you're getting some symptomatic relief. Maybe there's some, like a sec, I think you can get secondary bacterial infections or secondary yeast infections because the skin is so inflamed. Your microorganisms like to grow in those environments, but it's not the primary problem. And if you don't address what's going on, the uh, what's causing the underlying inflammation, you're, you're never going to get resolution. And I will tell you, it takes patience. And especially if, um, you know, pets have been on immunosuppressive drugs of some sort, mm -hmm. there's always a rebound. It is so hard to get dogs off Apoquan. I, I just tell people they're going to get worse, but we have to ride it out. If you ever want to get them off it completely, you have to ride it out and we'll support them through it. But you have to ride out that, um, that rebound effect. Um, same with cancer, keep on in cancer. I, you know, yeah, sometimes, you know, um, like in lymphoma, we'll see some, you know, lymph nodes will shrink. You know, if you have something visible that you can measure, like, yeah, to go down in size. Okay. And all the oncologists are, you know, cheering them on. Yeah, look, this is effective. Well, what happens when they stop? You've wiped out the natural immune system. You've, you've not done anything to help support the body, detox the body. We'll come back with a vengeance because you wiped out every defense system the the body has. So it it always comes back. So the, the more I look at this, like how it, it makes sense why these pharmaceuticals don't work in the long term and why natural medicine and natural support of the body does. So I just had a customer that came and um got on the raw diet. Now this dog is 14. So I don't know that he was on a raw diet before. She was asking me, you know, I, I said, well, I had a dog that was on lymphoma. She was asking me about prednisone. Mm -hmm. I said, well, um, we did not because Sam, the, the very fat lab that we rescued and he had been, you know, jacked up six ways to nothing, you know, but he, he got lymphoma at um i think 13 and i remember um his his lymph nodes you know were so big they distorted his face now we decided not to do the prednisone at that point what we did was cbd with mm -hmm. a level of thc and that dr jasic drastically reduced his lymph nodes and he was great for another year then the, you could start see the weight loss uh, the cancer was just eating away and we we didn't do chemo because we knew what that outcome would be mm -hmm. um where and would you add prednisone into a cancer patient and at what point only for comfort okay. um so i in my opinion Prednisone does not treat anything. And I think this is a misnomer. Like I talk to people, so say lymphoma is a great case, be, great, great example, because prednisone is used a lot for lymphoma, um, like this CHOP protocol where the P is prednisone. Well, it's not treating anything. However, if I see a lymphoma patient and their you know, lymph nodes by their throat are so big that, it's, that they're having trouble breathing or they can't swallow, and mm. I've seen that. Mm -hmm. And we want to try some herbs and some other things. We need some time. We need something that'll buy us some time. And I never let 
my patients suffer. So if I feel like putting them on prednisone is going to help them, and especially if they're not eating, we need to get them eating. So if it helps them feel better so they can breathe more easily, they can rest, you know, animals that are really uncomfortable can't sleep, you know, they're not never going to heal if they can't sleep. So if, and sometimes like, it's just so it's, I mean, these nodes get so big, it's hard for them to even like put their head down. They're, they're just very, very uncomfortable. So to keep them comfortable while we're using other things to help help address the underlying issues that might be contributing to the lymphoma. Like I, I would use it then, but I am like, I'll, I'll do like a, maybe a little bit higher dose for the first few days, again, just to get the pet comfortable, but then I'm immediately trying to wean them off of it. It's not a long-term thing. It's short-term while we're giving the herbs and other things we're doing some time. Cause those things do take time. They're not, um, they're not designed to just reduce symptoms. And if we're rebalancing the body and helping the body detox, it takes time for the herbs to do that. So to buy some time to keep the pet comfortable or at the end, like if we're, you know, we've, you know, been treating the pet and they're getting older and just for whatever reason, they're declining. And, you know, we, we want to keep them as comfortable as they can in end stage, then I might use it then, or, you know, so people can make arrangements or family come visit or whatever, you know, just to keep the pet comfortable from that perspective, I would use it, but I would never say, Oh, dog's got lymphoma. We better put them on prednisone. Um, never as a, never as a frontline. And this is a great example where you could utilize Dr. Jasek. If you've gone to a traditional vet and your dog has cancer, um, maybe the protocol that they're on is not the best. Maybe they need to be on a different protocol. So the, the, the I have somebody who's German shepherd, uh, just has trouble eating, right? Just, just walks up, looks at a bowl, has trouble eating. And I was talking about this as with Dr. Andy yesterday when I was over um, getting Asta adjusted. And she said, I would be looking at hyenal hernias uh, and, and for that. And she has adjusted many dogs. And she said, the first adjustment, you know, I can't say that it's going to change anything on that first adjustment. Um, you know, they're probably going to need to at least do three or four adjustments and then see how we go. And then, and then do something else. But my point to this telling you this is you're not going to get the same perspective from a traditional vet that you're going to get from a vet like Dr. Judy Jasek because they look at it totally different. Just like Dr. Thomas Cowan is expanding our brain to look at things differently. Yeah, I think I think it comes down to are you are you going to be content to just treat symptoms, which is really what conventional medicine does. Pharmaceuticals really don't treat anything. They treat symptoms. They shift some things in the body to make things appear better. So for example, your dog, you're just describing that's not eating. They go to a conventional vet. You know what they're going to put the dog on? Mirtazapine. It's an appetite stimulant. Mm. What is that doing for the dog? And this mm. is commonplace, mirtazapine and, and uh, serenia for nauseousness. They're not looking at why is the dog nauseous? Maybe the dog's painful. I've seen some older dogs, their neck hurts when they put their 
their um, their head down to eat. We elevate the bowls and they feel better because it hurts to put their neck in, in a certain position. And, you know, things like chiropractic, oh, I, I love it because if there's something out of alignment in the body, well, you're going to benefit all sorts of things in the dog um, to, to fix that. And something like a hiatal hernia, that's where the, like this esophagus is kind of prolapsing through the, through the, um, the diaphragm sort of, um, but that's painful, right? And you correct that and, you know, so they eat, you know, basically the esophagus is kind of, kind of crimped off or it kind of comes and goes, you know, but it's painful for, you know, food to pass through there. So you correct that and, and they feel better because dogs should love to eat. Dogs should like, I mean, I love when people tell me I'm concerned because my dog's eating too fast. Like my dogs are supposed to eat fast. They yeah. got to eat, the, they got to eat before the grizzly bear comes and steals their food, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and my concern for the path that this pet parent was taking was exactly what you just said. You can go on Dr. Google and take a look and you can say, yep, that, that symptom, yep, that symptom, yep, that symptom. And then they always lead you to the traditional path, right? But the traditional doctors didn't even figure this out. Dr. Andy, it was super easy. And she was like, I treat these patients all the time. Why wouldn't you go the more conservative route first, which is right. what you do, what our team does, what Dr. Andy does, whatever, go the conservative route first. Because my fear is this, Dr. Jasek, that they go that traditional path, they put them on those kind of drugs that you're just prescribing and nothing gets fixed. Nothing gets fixed. And even worse, the other thing they usually start them on is an acid blocker. So now, yeah. now you've screwed up their whole ability to properly digest their food and they're going to be sick. Then they'll eat and yeah, they'll vomit because they don't have enough acid in their stomach to properly break down their food. I mean, I've seen this over and over and over again. Dog comes in, history of vomiting. If they've been to the vet, they've been on, put on mirtazapine, serenia, and probably an acid blocker uh, all the time. That's just what they do. And then the conventional vet says, well, we've, we've done our job, but they're not even looking at what the problem is. And you know what really baffles me? I've had some clients lately, you know, there's like this wide swing, like some of the like specialty clinics, like they want to do every diagnostic possible and people get these outrageous bills. But I've also had people go in and say, look, I, you know, I'm concerned. I want to get to the bottom of what's going on my dog with my dog. Will you run blood work? Nope, not necessary. Like, but what? I'm willing to pay. Like they're just honestly, like, I want to make sure we're not overlooking anything. Would you do blood work on my dog? And just flat up, nope, it's not necessary. It's not, blood work isn't going to show you anything. And they will refuse to do diagnostic testing. I'm like, and then people are like, I don't care about the money, whatever it costs, you know, like, I just want to make sure we're addressing everything. Nope, just here, take this bottle of pills and go home. Leave me alone. Let me move on to my next patient. Like, what's up with that? I, that totally baffles me. How can you be a practitioner, claim to be a practitioner and not want to work up your patient and find out, you know, what, what's going on? Uh, you can get a lot of information from a blood panel and, you know, the client totally willing to pay just said, I just want to be complete here. Flat out refused to do it. I mean, could not talk the vet into doing it. Flat out refused to do it. So like, has it baffles me. 
Well, this may be the the thing, though. Have you checked with Webster's Dictionary? Has the definition of a practitioner changed where we don't, it's, you know, it's no longer real medicine. It's just, you know, following the WEF orders. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny you brought up uh, dictionaries because I was talking to a friend of mine that has a, like a, I think she was talking to her, her daughter who's 12, like in seventh grade. And they were playing Scrabble and she didn't know how to spell a real simple word like knife. And his friend's like, oh my God, what are they not learning in school? And so she goes to get her dictionary and, and tells her daughter, okay, we need to start looking up some words, make sure, you know, you're learning what she's, the daughter told her, our teacher said, we don't need dictionaries anymore because we have Google. Okay. Now, like, oh my God, that's what our kids are being taught. Is that scary or what? I have a set, actually I have two sets, Dr. Jasek, of 1920 dictionaries. Wow. (laughs) And I'm keeping them. I am keeping them. You know, um, I I got them just as decoration pieces at one time. Um, But I'm thinking we need those more than ever. I want to see what the definition was back in 1920. So yeah. on our next podcast, I'll start pulling out. That'd be really interesting. Yeah. The 1920 dictionary and uh, we'll compare to what's happening today. Um, if you want to compare your diagnosis, you want to compare the um, prognosis, you want to compare the protocol. I suggest that you sign up with Dr. Judy Jasek on her teleconference and just go to the website, ahavet.com. You can still get product uh, from Dr. Jasek. She's going to be able to ship that to you. But if you want a different perspective, if you want the other side of the story, if you want to stop putting toxins in your dog, that is going to prevent them from being able to heal in the best possible way, then I suggest you get over to ahavet.com and work with Dr. Judy Jasek. The other thing is, I can't tell you how many phone calls I get um, telling me that your dog is is sensitive uh, because you've done an allergy test, because you're still doing kibble, therefore they can only eat limited proteins. You guys, just get off the kibble. Get on a species-appropriate diet first just like what we're talking about. Get off the kibble. The kibble. A- I- allergy tests. Allergy tests are worthless if you're, feeding, if you're feeding kibble. Just flat out worthless because it's the carbs that are inflaming the body. And I've seen so many people come in. They spent the money on those tests and they've done all the changes. And now they're trying to figure out what on earth to feed the pet because they're down to like, you know, emu Lettuce. or alligator or <laughs> something. Crickets. Yeah. Um. <laughs> It's, yeah. it's don't waste your money on, on the test, especially if you're feeding. The only time I would do that is maybe we've done everything else. You know, a good diet, but good water, good water, maybe. But then if, if there, if people are feeding a diet, like the blends you have DD, it's very simple to tell if they have a, a sensitivity because the ingredients are so basic. There's not 50 ingredients in those blends. So if you're feeding, you know, beef and then you switch and you feed chicken and the dog reacts, and then maybe you go back to beef. The dog's fine. Try a little chicken again. Dog reacts. Okay, don't feed chicken. It's, right. it's that simple. You don't have to spend hundreds of dollars on the test. To me, it would be blatantly obvious 
if there is a sensitivity. Allergy tests just drive me crazy. They're such a waste of money. So don't don't even go there. Put that money towards your first raw food diet and it, it will be money much better spent. Yeah. All right, everybody, get over to ahavet.com, get a second opinion, get another protocol, but get your dogs on a species-appropriate diet. That means the diet that they were born to eat. You can get that over at rawdogfoodandcompany.com, where your pet's health is our business and we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week, everybody. Bye-bye. Oh, snap. Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com, where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.